This is David with Corel Trainer. This is Cassie Green from Apparelist. This is Gordon and Firemark from the Entertainment Law Update. And you're listening to Two Regular Guys Podcast. Hosted by Terry Combs RG, regular guy, and Aaron Montgomery. The place to be for industry news. The best dad jokes on earth, along with relevant topics to apparel decorators. Prepare for the world. All right, welcome to the show. It is Friday, September 1st, believe it or not, 2023. I'm Terry Combs, and you can find me at terrycombs.com. And I'm Aaron Montgomery, and uh, you can find me at our success group. And uh, my mission is to inspire you to build a business that you love. So, um, Terry, we've got a, a really great topic today, right? We were kind of going, okay, what are we going to talk about? We had a lot of things in the in the works. And uh, somebody that you know, I believe, Terry, uh, Kim Johnson, was uh, interacting with Eric and I over on the half last week. And uh, we were talking a little bit about outsourcing. It kind of led out of what we had talked about last week on Two Regular Guys. And she's like, that would be a good topic. And we're like, you are exactly right, Kim. So <laughs> thank you, Kim Johnson, for uh, <laughs> bringing this topic. And we to didn't us. have to have... Uh... We didn't have to have to have uh, AI come up with a topic for us like we were discussing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Skynet, help us out here. But no, we uh, we had something better than Skynet. We had Kim Johnson. So, Kim, thank you very much for uh, for the assist. You guys, the regulators out there, uh, we want the same thing out of you. What do you guys want to hear? What uh, information? It's like, hey, that'd be a good topic, right? Um, I, I've got a, a Instagram post the other day saying, hey, my buddy would be great. And we said, cool, awesome. Send them over to the, the link and we'll share that link here in a little bit. So definitely regulators out there. This is all about what you guys want to hear, not about what we want to talk about. And so, uh, Eric Campbell will be joining us live today as well. So not not filling in one of our chairs. He'll be in chair number three. Or yeah, two, yeah. Or one. We're, However, we're bringing another so chair to the, table, the board. Yeah. He can put himself wherever he wants. Yeah, he, I'm going to be in chair number one, boys. All right. <laughs> All right. Make well, we sure also you stay got some other the very end also. Yep. And get uh, get a helping of the secret sauce. I, I'm going to be the chef today, and I'm going to be talking about screen printing soft hand graphics. And it may not be what you think it is. So stay tuned for mm. that. And Aaron, uh, ready for some news from Graphics Pro? Oh, wait, we do no. have no some <laughs> graphics pro. <laughs> we were informed <laughs> yesterday that graphics pro has been purchased by Cahaba media. I think that's the way you say it. And uh, they're going to be taking over the magazine and trade show. So there's some shakeups going over on over there with, uh, with personnel. And we're, uh, we're trying to get to the bottom of, of who's staying and who's going. And uh, we'll keep you posted after the dust settles on this, uh, from this surprising news that we got yesterday. So no news yeah, from Graphics yeah. Pro today. Hopefully we'll have someone there that that's going to be sharing with us. So Excellent. Excellent. Yes, uh, we're looking forward to uh, seeing and hearing and learning a little bit more. Uh, I We've talked to some folks. I talked to somebody this morning. So hopefully we'll be getting a little bit more of an update here and, and we will pass what we can along to you. You know, we, we always kind of joke, oh, it's just amongst friends. You know, we're not going to tell anybody except for all the regulators out there. <laughs> so <laughs> I think they're on to well, us with that, though, Terry. It, and the email didn't say anything about being a secret. So there it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, um, speaking of the regulators, Terry, let's uh, see who we've got uh, 
tuning in here this morning. Uh, Chuck came on actually before we got started. I, I thought this was a really great uh, comment that he made. That we said, "Good morning, guys. Great information. Any small business needs to understand." Talking about outsourcing, uh, you don't have to directly do the work to offer the product with the right people in place, so with the right relationships, that kind of thing, right? So um, Barb also checking in this morning from North Central Minnesota. Thank you for being here, Barb. And uh, good morning to Mr. Todd Downing from Fat Dad Wholesale, checking in, saying good morning to everybody. Uh, Kingsbury Crafts in this morning. Uh, good morning, fellas. And uh, our, our friend Dot Tone Dan Campbell says good morning, guys. So looking forward to hearing from all of you, the regulators, and uh, hearing your Good, you know, so the idea here, Terry, was kind of pros, cons, uh, good, bad, ugly, right, of, of outsourcing. It's not always all rainbows and ponies. We're going to talk about the positives. We're going to talk about some of the challenges to look out for. Um, and and that's, uh, in my mind, that's what I'm hoping we get through today, Terry. So what, uh, yeah. I feel, feel right to you? Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, it's, uh, I, you know, as soon as I heard, uh, heard that mention, I thought that is a really good topic because, uh, you know, some folks don't know how to do it. Um, some folks are afraid of it. And uh, I think there's some opportunities there. So we'll, we're going to cover it all. I agree. Now, I know we didn't have news this morning, Terry, but we're always going to probably bring you the dad joke. So <laughs> are you ready for the dad joke, Terry? I am ready. I'm ready to present, man. Let's do it. All right, uh, Aaron, this is from uh, what has now become the One Time in a Bar series. <laughs> I just wonder when this series is going to get to the point where you can't actually do it here. It'll have to be in the uh, late night session. But anyhow, go ahead. Oh, so One Night in a Bar series. You got, got this. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. All right. Here, here it goes. A priest, a minister, and a rabbit walk into a bar. <laughs> okay. The rabbit says, I think I might be a typo. <laughs> All right, Todd, what do you think, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. where's the follow-up there? I think uh, that, that's a good one. That's a, that's a dad joke through and through, so good job. I'm really proud of that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, before we dive in, we want to thank everybody for checking out the two Regular Guys podcast. Uh, we need your voices still. We would love to have uh, the regulators participate in our show intros, the new intro that you heard today. So go to decorators.inc.ink forward slash intro and just read a few lines. You can even ad lib a little bit like uh, um, like Cassie did. And uh, we've gotten in a few, but, but don't be left out. We want to include yeah. you. We're always looking for new guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to join us, go to calendly.com forward slash two, the number two, <laughs> regular guys to book a future episode or email info at two, the number two, regular guys with your show ideas. If you are listening to the podcast version of the show, we would appreciate you sharing the two regular guys podcast with all of your industry friends so they can become regulators too. And we would appreciate you giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, YouTube Podcasts, wherever you do your podcast listening, we are there. And if you're watching us live right now, please join in with your comments and your questions. Yes, indeed. And speaking of uh, joining in with your comments and questions, if you have any, but uh, let's let's go ahead and bring Eric in. Let's uh, whichever chair you want to sit in, Eric. Come on in. <laughs> Third chair's fine. That's where right. I belong. All right, <laughs> it's fine. So so let's dive into this outsourcing uh, conversation. You know, um, so first and foremost, 
you guys that are tuned in live right now, regulators out there, we want to hear from you guys. Which of you are outsourcing right now? Let us know in the comments um, and, and add anything along to, yes, it's me, right? You can raise your hand, but, you know, tell us what, what, what you think about it, right? What things are you loving with outsourcing? What things are the challenges for you with outsourcing? You know, what questions might you have uh, about outsourcing? And uh, speaking of questions, we kind of came up, uh, you know, and I don't know who exactly all came up with them. I think we all maybe shared in this, but uh, Terry, I know you did a <laughs> big part of the lifting here, but there were some questions that we kind of said, you know, we've heard these, these are might be some things that I would think about when I'm thinking about outsourcing. Um, so I think the plan here, guys, is going to be, let's, let's present the question and then kind of as a roundtable discussion, Let's talk about the answers in our minds to those questions. Obviously, the regulators jumping in in that as well and, and talking about that, too. So does that sound like a good plan for today? That sounds like an awesome plan. Let me uh, let me start. Um, OK, first question. Why choose to outsource? And and uh, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to I'm going to start with uh, one of the answers as well. So uh, to add a new decoration method. And so maybe that maybe I'm a maybe I'm a T-shirt screen printer, T-shirt sweatshirts apparel. But, you know, uh, coffee mugs would be a great addition. And, and I don't sublimate. And Aaron, I know you're saying, I'm sorry, what? You, you, don't, you don't sublimate. sublimate. What's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. But uh, let's say I don't. Um, you know, there, there are lots of folks out there that can do that for me without me diving in. You know, maybe maybe I'm at max capacity for uh, for my production, but I want to add that product so I can outsource and have somebody do that sublimating for me on coffee mugs and even drop ship them for me. So that that, that would be my first thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just kind of piggyback off that real quick, too, because you're you're kind of adding that new decorating method and you're getting all the learning without all of the um challenge challenges i guess like when you go out and do, you buy that new piece of equipment right you're going to ruin stuff you're going to have some learning experiences and some of them might be more painful than others when it comes to uh, finances or or otherwise and and when you start with the you know to add that new decorating method method as an outsource i think you can do a lot of learning in that too, right? You might not be actually making the product, but you're going to be interfacing with that vendor and you're going to learn what questions they're asking of you. You're going to learn, okay, why this works or doesn't work, right? The vendor you pick there can can educate you a lot. And if your vendor's not really educating you a whole lot, then maybe you want to look for another vendor that, that is willing to kind of educate you on the process. I, I know most people that do wholesale that are focused on being wholesale providers, their ultimate goal is to build your business up to a point where you leave them as a customer, right? That you go and do it yourself. Every wholesaler that I've worked with, when, when I do wholesale, my whole goal is always to be, I'm going to educate you while I take the risk of having the inventory, the spoilage and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to educate you why this works, why that piece of art is going to just give you a nightmare all the time, right? That, mm -hmm. that kind of thing and, and go from there. So that, that's kind of my, uh, piggyback on what you were talking about there, Terry. What about you, Eric? What uh, thoughts you have? Yeah, no, I think that's the thing. People think that it also precludes them from eventually going on to take it on themselves if they want to. But I see, and honestly, a lot of the things we're trying to talk about outsourcing, you're going to hear me say the same answer, which is even if you decide to take something on yourself later and add it to your stack, 
you should always be outsourcing to uh, you know find new markets to blend that mix. You start by outsourcing and getting your customers invested in it. You can do the training internally, even if you're buying equipment, even if you're already at that stage, outsource and then feather in your own production and just change that mix until you eventually get to a point that you're providing that that particular service, that particular decoration. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's the thing. A lot of people think it's a, it's a zero sum game. You either have to outsource forever or not. If you find that outsourcing has weaknesses for mm. you, if people always, and we're going to talk about some of these weaknesses or difficulties later, um, you of course can transition, but yeah. it, it stops you from doing that kind of shiny object syndrome. We talk about this all the time. Those of us who are in this creatively, I know we're, we're like that. We love what we do. It's really hard for us not to go, man, I really want that new printer. I want that new technology. That's really cool. I want to play yeah. with it. I have a cool thing I could make and just go buying equipment. It's not that I, I want people not to invest in equipment. I do love the idea of building this complete marketable group of people, this audience that's ready for what you're going to sell. Yeah. And then just dovetailing out of outsourcing or honestly, I'll just be straight with it in my career. Even when I have like a dovetailed out and we're still producing ourselves, there are other reasons that we're going to talk about uh, that make me bring the outsourcing back in or still have that as an option forever. I mean, yeah. I, it's not one or the other. It's a normal part of developing kind of a production chain to have that outsource ready, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, ahead, you know, and, and along those lines, you know, and speaking of buying equipment, I, I sure. talk to people every single day about yep. buying equipment. And 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 here's a common thing that, that I hear. I don't know if I have enough business for it yet. And yeah. I, I'm very quick to say, listen, get your feet wet, uh, you know, outsource this to start with. Uh, and, and, you know, Todd probably knows I've given uh, Fat Dead Wholesale out <laughs> Hundred times to people contract out if you want to try DTF and uh, and you know there's a, there's a dozen places a hundred places a thousand places where you can contract that to but uh, but but build up your business until you're ready and you're confident uh, to to buy that equipment and uh, and um, you know. Yeah, you know, people are pretty nervous about making that uh, twenty five thousand dollar investment. So, I, I, again, I tell people all the time, don't don't buy it until you're ready. Uh, but uh, yeah. but contract it out and and see where it takes you. And more yeah. often than not, those people will come back in a month or six months or a year and say, okay, I'm ready. Uh, I I can yeah. I can keep this machine running all day every day. So. Yeah. Uh, well, getting your feet wet is uh, is my yeah my recommendation. And I think it's really interesting, right? So Terry, being somebody that his day day job is to sell equipment, right? So yeah. if Terry was the uh, predatory salesman that Greg Kitson makes him out to be, um, <laughs> that's an inside story for some folks. But uh, anyhow, uh, you know him. When we said, "Hey, let's talk about outsourcing," Terry would have been like, "No way! I want to sell people that equipment." But the reality is good people understand that with a strong business that's built around it, right? Like you just said, Terry, they're going to come back to you in six months yeah. and a year. And now you've got a customer for life because you help them build their business as opposed to help them remove money from their wallet. And then they have a boat anchor that they're mad at Terry about six months from now. <laughs> right. right. So, um, <laughs> oh, David says, I thought Terry's job was to hang by the pool. He sells stuff? Question mark. <laughs> More stuff than you could know. <laughs> um, Speaking of, we had a haboob last night here in uh, in Phoenix. And so uh, I was out at 5.15 this morning 
trying to clean the dirt off the bottom of my pool. So <laughs> nice. it's not all it's not all sunshine and cocktails, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of that. But no, anyways, no, it's cool <laughs> vacuuming. It's cool vacuuming. So so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look that up. Uh, while, while we're uh, interacting here, um, yeah. first off, Todd had mentioned about the uh, the dad joke. He's got nothing on that one, so it must be a good one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a good one. Uh, and then when we asked, you know, who's doing outsourcing here, uh, Todd says outsourcing tripled my revenue overnight without bringing in additional labor. And I think that's an yeah. interesting concept yeah. too, right? Um, that's a great take. How do you how do you do that? And um, and so that'll kind of, if you guys don't mind, that'll lead me into kind of the next couple of things that I wanted to hit here. The other reason that outsourcing, you know, why to choose outsourcing is I think that we need to, as businesses, focus in on our zone of greatness, so to speak. You know, what is it that you do the best yeah. and continue to work towards that? But that doesn't mean you have to like turn down other work, right? So um, going back to like what Terry was talking about, maybe you are a screen printer, an apparel screen printer. And that's your zone of greatness, right? You've spent a lot of, you know, you spent your 10,000 hours to get good at that. Stay focused in that. But when you need some, when you need a coffee mug, right? And then you'll let, you'll build it into that. So I think that's one thing. Um, and just to kind of this whole, I'll, I'll throw them all out there so we can talk about it here is, you know, when, when you're in a busy time, having a, a vendor that you, you know, have worked with to trust, Right. So maybe I can do it. I, I know a lot of people that have the capabilities to do stuff, but they choose to outsource it when that particular job makes sense because they realize my job is not to necessarily make this thing. My job is to solve a problem for my customers and I might have a better tool, a better way to do that. And that might just be outsourcing. That might be working with a different partner, you know, and then the, the last kind of point that I'll throw out here for you guys to chew on and, and uh, give us some really good information on here is the other reason why thinking about outsourcing to me is so important is it does give us that space to grow, right? I think a lot of times our businesses don't grow because we've already packed so much stuff in there that mm -hmm. um, internally we know we can't expand, but we're out there going, ah, I, I can't find any new customers. Well, you probably have a fear of what happens if I get that new customer and I fall on my face because I'm already so busy with what I'm doing. And so you'll start to self-sabotage those opportunities because internally your, your, your internal voice is going, hey, Aaron, uh, you can't do that. But out here I'm going, I need new customers. And mm -hmm. so giving yourself that space to grow. So again, focusing on what you do best, helping mm -hmm. you through peak times, you know, finding the right tool for the right situation, and then giving yourself some space to grow. So whoever wants to chew on that first, go for it. <laughs> you know, I've got actually got a, go. a use case. I have a use case specifically on focusing what you do best. It's, it's specifically from uh, the floor of the large, largest and last shop that I worked at. We've, what you might not know about me is I have done a tremendous number of cut vinyl signs, banners, and car installations. And it's something that you wouldn't think I would do, right? Yeah. Uh, you guys know yeah, me. Murder, murder. Yeah. You might know me from doing <laughs> e-commerce. I cut a mess of vinyl and made a lot of banners, right? Uh, and here's the thing. We were a, a multi-deck shop. We had cutters. I knew how to run them very well because I've done them also for applique, simple, you know, simple kind of procedure. But we were doing banners all the time and we started to realize like, all right, we're doing all these banners. We're charging a fair amount for it, but it's taking up all this time. And we had a company who we've been working with once in a while for doing full color uh, banners that we couldn't do. We didn't have print uh, printable banners. All we had were cut vinyl. 
And we finally were like, you know, here are these people who have, you know, we they have this piece that's big enough to print billboards. They have all this equipment. We finally said, you know what? Um, most of the banners we do, it just doesn't make sense. We can take them on and do a decent job. We're not doing anything bad. We're charging decent prices for the same kind of prices with a small VIG for us to still add the value of working on the artwork and making sure it jives with the rest of what we're offering our customer. We could have them outsourced to this company that had this really massive full color banner printing solution. And it meant most of the time we actually got to provide at similar costs, what I would consider probably a higher quality product. Um, Because for us to take that time and make it make sense with the people we had, um, it cost more and we were doing cut vinyl. Now, there's no reason not to do cut vinyl banners. We still did tons of them. Um, But we reduced the amount of that we did and started to outsource it. And it just made a tremendous amount of sense. And we developed this really deep relationship with them where they understood us very well. We knew what their production times were like. We had good communication and forged that bond. And that really was over the fact that they also, they didn't want apparel. They don't want to start embroidering. They don't want to start screen printing. And so when they wanted to do a package included apparel, we became a natural partner. Mm. So I think that's that's one of the best ones I, I like to bring up is like, yeah, I was in a multi-decoration shop where I'm in there, you know, cutting banners for Arby's <laughs> five for fives, which I don't need to be doing because <laughs> oh. there was also better stuff for me to do in the business <laughs> than doing that stuff. And then on top of it, where we, we kind of had this partner we developed that honestly fed back into our business because we then became the natural choice. They want us to do well with apparel because we're going to send them more sign jobs. Um, it became yeah. very symbiotic. Yeah. And then the other, the other one I'll bring in, and I'll try and do this really quickly. People, it's not just in places where you don't compete because the thing we used to do quite a bit, we were a fairly large shop or at least a medium sized shop for Albuquerque, New Mexico. We'll put it that way, a large shop for there. And so we had plenty of heads from brewery, but some small individual jobs that had a lot of personalization. Let's say right around the holidays, my favorite one, uh, stockings. You guys don't know in the embroidery world, if you're not an embroiderer, you don't know the pain of uh, doing a tremendous number of weird Christmas stockings with people's names on them. I've done a million of them. We got to a and point where we realized you could spell the name Stacy. Oh, <laughs> I could do a whole show. Let's not even start. Uh, <laughs> suffice it to say, though, uh, we finally got together with one of our customers. And this we had a, a guy who was running a couple of heads, third bedroom kind of business. We love those you know, home-based businesses. But when he got a hundred pieces, he didn't want to do those all night every day or a thousand pieces. He didn't want to sit there and grind his machines to dust. He'd come to us. And then when it came time for, you know, stocking season, we would say, hey, you know what? We got this great guy who does one-offs and he does them all day long. Here's the, we actually had a few of them, which I don't want to tell you guys. We had many of these smaller kind of single, you know, single machine companies that we would outsource these highly uh, individual kind of boutique jobs too, especially during those high holiday seasons. So even in the embroidery sphere, yeah. why were we not competitors? And I mean, technically are we competitors? Yes. But the overlap between the jobs that fit our company's best was different. So there's yeah. a lot you can do if you kind of look for those fits. Yeah. I, I think I saw that stocking guy uh, in a Hallmark movie. His his dad is really Santa in, in that movie. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a... I have several examples. I'm going to give you yeah. one quick one because obviously we're going into show number two here. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when I was in the in the fraternity and sorority market, we had a uh, we had a vendor that uh, would and, and you know we could print on glass, we could print all kinds of things, but we had a vendor that would do shot glasses for us and decorate them with Greek letters for mm. twenty five cents each. 
there there's no reason I would ever touch doing that. We would we would give them away with orders. Uh, hey, listen, mm-hmm. we, Sigma Nu, we uh, uh, with this order, we'll give you a shot glass for every guy in the house, uh, 150 shot glasses, and cost us next to nothing. This guy would print them, ship them the next day, and uh, and drop ship them. We never touched them, so. It, it, mm-hmm. it only made sense to out, outsource that. Could I have printed them my, myself? Yeah, absolutely. But our average turnaround time was 24 hours in that marketplace because anybody that was ever in, especially a fraternity, knows that, um, you know, everything's last minute. And so <laughs> if, if I've got Are this guy that will do things? that and <laughs> shoot them out the door, then uh, more power to it. But oh, uh, surely that's changed over the years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surely. <laughs> I think surely was the problem, but anyhow, that's a. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, and and I think that's because you said okay, I can decorate those, right? I could decorate those, and and maybe you know your cost was twenty cents, right? So oh man, I'm leaving that nickel on the table. But are you right? I mean, there's there's some parts there. Exactly. Now, once you freed up that space to then again go back to your core genius what, what you guys are really good at which was turning those apparel decorating orders then um i think you know that nickel that you left on the table there becomes dollar signs at the other end exactly and, and but mm-hmm. people get so focused on that nickel that they leave dollars many dollars on, on the other end of that so it, any like terry what what's your any expansion on that because I know you've done this for well, no, exactly right, exactly right. There's there's a there's a finite number of hours in a day and a week, and I and I talk yeah. about this a lot when I talk about uh, estimating production time. Do I want to spend those, you know, basically thirty seven and a half available production hours in a standard week? Do I want to spend those thirty seven and a half hours making an, an, a nickel per item, or do I want to make? Uh, per item. I'm going to go with $5 per item because this guy was happy to do these, uh, these products for me and he supplied the shot glasses. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, now, he may have not been in business for very long because he was probably <laughs> underpricing himself, but that's a whole different he, story. That's well, a whole that, different that is an entirely different story that we'll have to talk <laughs> about when, uh, when our, our friend, the attorney is back on the show. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, and so Todd, they, do, they do tax stuff too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. T- Todd says, uh, tripping over dollars, chasing dimes. Yep, right? Constantly. Yeah. Yeah, you constantly. get, you get so focused on that, uh, you know, is this one job profitable, right? You, you like, you, you win, what's that? Win the, win the battle and lose the war. Is that kind of the, the idea there? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Eric, before we get into the next question here, um, I did want to bring in another comment that Todd had earlier. I actually yeah, for sure. On it there. He gotcha. says, the new rule for DTF, if you are not printing at least 100 square feet a day, source it out. Uh, the juice just isn't worth the squeeze. So interesting. Yeah. Yep. Todd being somebody. And in fact, he says uh, a little further down there, people think I make a killing DTF. And I've got one thing to say about that. I 3,200 print heads, right? It's, it's understanding what your business is and how that yep. works. So, yep. Under- well, that's stuff. the thing. When you're outsourcing to somebody, they also, they have worked on these things. They know that. I'm sure Shot Glass Guy had his rig set up. Like he was ready yep. at any given time to drop shot glasses. If you take it on, now you're like, all right. Yes, I know how to do it, but I'm I'm formulating stuff. I'm buying in ink. I've got to have some sort of fixture to put together. Same yeah. thing with me and and you know, stockings aren't that hard to do. But 
I'm sure that guy had specialty clamps. He was ready to go. He does that stuff all the time. He's working on 18 weird fabrics every two minutes because he's doing boutique work. Whereas I'm set up to run polo shirts all day. That's the reality yeah. of, of, you know, doing commercial yeah. work. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's just you have to know where that economy of scale is. And they already have it. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Chuck says, uh, Terry, you're seeing the forest rather than the trees, right? Yeah. It's getting too close to it that you don't, oh, uh, yeah. don't see the whole forest. You're just seeing that one tree that you keep bashing your head against. So, uh, <laughs> all right, Eric, well, what's the next uh, kind of yeah. question, I guess, is, is what yeah. we're, well, let's we're... talk about some of the challenges. I think we already kind of dipped into it a little bit, but there are certain challenges that people, at least there are sometimes perceived challenges. I'm going to say that some of these are perceived challenges and some of these are real. But I'm going to go ahead and mention some of the points that uh, Terry so lovely put into our, our outline for us. And I really agree with them because <laughs> um, these are, I think some of these are really kind of related to fears people have as well as some reality of the things that can happen. And part of that is like this. We have th this loss of uh, control and there's different ways we can talk about that. But uh, the quality and the timeliness, qu the quality and the schedule you know, they're not going to produce it up to my standards. They're uh -huh. not going to produce it when I need it. And if they're late, that's a problem. That, those are big questions people have. Uh, certainly there's the, the question of reduced margins. If I have to pay this guy, well, I'm not going to get the entire VIG out of this thing. I'm not going to get the entire markup. I'm only going to be able to add on however much I can on the top and still make that tolerable for my customer. Yeah. Yeah. And then last but not least, the concept of responsibility versus ownership. Yes, indeed they may be responsible for delivering the order, but I'm the person who literally is on top of this order and communicating. It's my, and I yeah, it's my ownership. reputation on the line and I have yeah. ownership over it. It's my business. That's really going to be the face of this thing. Whereas, you know, how do I communicate that? Or how do I deal with the fact that the other person on the other side of this contracting job may or may not feel that or care the way I would care about this job. And I think these yeah. are valid questions, but I think we have some answers for these. So I'd love for you guys to kind of talk about, this stuff as well. Like, how do you feel about this, these feelings about, especially it's really about the loss of control in general. And of course the reduced margins. I mean, there is yeah. something to be said for it. Yeah. Terry, why don't you start off? There? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, when I was in uh, uh, the collegiate printing, mm -hmm. uh, some of you may have heard me say this before that <laughs> every bookstore in America, I have to tell it. We, we were talking after the show <laughs> last week about, we should do a show about, all the stories I tell, and and then you guys coming to the sudden realization there are only eight stories. They just the same the same eight stories repeating over and over again, with a little different twist depending on the subject. Right? There's got to be more than eight. Plus, not all the listeners you've heard. Just because Aaron and I giggle, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't mean but keep going, Terry. Sorry, I didn't mean to it's important for information. There. Come on. In, in the collegiate marketplace, every bookstore in America wants their fall delivery on July first. And, and that is a fact. If you're in that marketplace, you already know this. Uh, they want it July 1st because they did inventory on June 30th. And they want July 1st because all those all those college tours, uh, all those uh, orientations, uh, freshmen getting there a week ahead of everybody else. Uh, book rush when everybody buys their books, even though most people do that online now. Uh, but you've got to go to the bookstore and, and, and get your T-shirt, your sweatshirt. So... Um, we would contract out a lot of that work uh, in, in uh, you know, May and June because just the sheer volume of production that we were doing, we were printing, we were doing 13 and a half million dollars in, in screen printing. And so, but, but here's what we did because you've all, you guys have also heard me say there are lots and lots and lots of screen printers. There aren't very many good screen printers. Yeah. So 
one of the jobs for my quality control supervisor was she would hop in her car and we might have three, four, five different contractors we we're working with. And just about every day she would go and spot check, go and spot wow. check every one of these vendors, walk out on their production floor and look at our products coming out to see if they are going to, before they get to us and we realize they printed the entire, you know, the 12 orders for us that, uh, that are wrong. So, so what we did was we went around and made sure that the quality was there while these orders were on the press. So it just says as an example of, of dealing with, uh, with these kind of challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, again, we wanted to make sure that we're talking about the pros and cons and, and, and all of the things that come along with outsourcing, because I think the reality is everybody who's ever outsourced has a horror story about sure. you know, a, a job that just didn't go right. But if you think about that in your own business, you have a job that you had complete control over that you were making that just <laughs> didn't go the way you thought it was going to go when you quoted that thing. Right. So For it's sure. kind of that horror story. And, sure. and so the reality of this here is I wish that we could say, just outsource it. Life will be grand. You're going to have a situation where it just doesn't work out. Your expectations and the expectations of the, the vendor that you work with aren't going to match up. And then again, getting down to Eric's last point there, that kind of responsibility versus mm -hmm. ownership, you own that, right? So, you know, I, I mean, I look at this a little bit like when I ship something uh, by the post office or by UPS or by FedEx, right? I can go, well, it was UPS who lost it. It was FedEx who, you know, smashed the box or ran it over. But at the end of the day, my customer wanted to get a product in their hands by a certain time. And that's my responsibility, right? I, I own that piece of it. So the vendors along the way who participated in that, I want to be able to trust them. So I, I think a big part of this is understanding that while you might feel like you're losing some control of quality, timeliness, and things like that, if you invest enough of yourself into it, like Terry was talking about, you know, they mm -hmm. invested a person that would go and spot check, right? That, so yeah. you've got to then make that investment in that partnership the other way to say, okay, how can I keep control of this without actually having to do it all in-house all of the time? Um, and, and, you know, setting up what those expectations are, having those conversations, right? If, like any vendor, if your outsource partner is just a login of a website, you get what you get, right? <laughs> and even then, like we're not all going to be at the scale that Terry's talking about here, right? Yeah. The smaller shops are not going to be at the scale where they've got multiple outsources and they have a dedicated person running around all the time. But what we can do are some of the preparation stuff that Terry did talk about. I mean, number one, uh, scheduling early enough. Scheduling early enough when you can. Yes, I know the customers don't always allow us that. But if we talk to customers about certain kinds of jobs, especially with stuff we know we're going to outsource and talk to them about what our expectations are for scheduling, that can help. And then also, you're looking for a new outsource partner. We're going to talk about this more later. later but you know, test orders. Do test orders. View their samples. Ask them mm -hmm. what kind of stuff they've done before and look at their portfolio. When you're doing your research portion of this, part of the way to deal with this worry about quality and timeliness is to just ask them the questions. What yeah. are your turnaround times? What kind of guarantees do you provide? What do you do when it doesn't work out? Uh, make sure you know what their what their profile is and what kind of work they can do. Uh, frankly, you need to see their work before you start outsourcing. And 
the, the worst time to look for an outsource partner is uh, five minutes before to do. It's just, I mean, <laughs> the best time is now instead of later if you're already running late. At the same time, like it's, it's still the worst thing you can do. You should be thinking about these outsource partners ahead of time if you can. I mean, not all of us are delivering months in advance for events, but hey, if you're doing this year after year and you know when events come up for your customers, you know, big marketing tip, uh, start asking about that event way earlier than they usually order. Uh, yeah. it, it may it may save you a lot, and if you have to outsource, you can then kind of find out that partner ahead of time. But yeah, I always yeah. tell people like well, build, build you, your dream team, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Eric, uh, a lot of this is know what you're capable of doing, you yeah. know, because so many people, and, and just like you're saying, uh, you, you, it's hard to find to outsource something at the last minute. And if you know what you're capable of doing and you say, okay, I can do this much and we have this many orders, then you know you have to do something about this this section right here yeah. ahead of time. But yeah. that that comes back to understanding what what your shop is capable of doing on a in a regular week. Yes, I know we can do overtime, but yeah. but um uh, Every day or every week overtime is not any way to uh, operate a business. Your no. your employees at some point in time say, you know what? The extra money isn't worth it. I, I haven't yeah. been on my boat all summer, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. for real. No, it, it's, and, and I, I've got a really good story about uh, investing in that test early when we get to that section here in a little bit. So um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll say about one more comment about capabilities. I think Terry, you hit something really great about knowing what you can do. We talked, we briefly touched on reduced margins and we haven't really hit that yet. But yeah. what I want to make clear to people is when we outsource, yes, we make less money on maybe on the individual jobs markup, yeah. but we have this massive opportunity gain. We're not doing that job now and we can put another job that's better fit for us in that slot. So what did we do? Essentially for the cost of the communications and dealing with the outsourcer, we get the VIG that's on top of it. Cause I'm, I do expect you're going to charge something more than you paid for this stuff. I mean, <laughs> I'm hoping you already know that part. And honestly, we can then use that slot, that production time to do the kind of production that does fit with what we're doing. And that's just time on time. It's like, it's like we've had suddenly a new, a new shop print shop attached to us. We have that same production time being used for multiple jobs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every time somebody says, oh, I'm, I'm losing this margin, I'm like, yeah, true. But then the goal is fill that spot with something else. I'm assuming if you're outsourcing that you're already in that position, unless it's something to do with, as we talked about before, technology or, you know, something that is not about capacity. But when it's about capacity, especially, that means right. you should have that spot filled. That's money yeah. on top of money. That's not losing that job or losing that markup it's it's opening up your schedule to do a job that fits with you better yeah. right if you if you've maximized your production capabilities anything else that you make is gravy so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well and then keeping on that theme of reduced margins too also this kind of goes back to what we we're talking about with like getting your feet wet with a new technology kind of building that right like like you said yeah. terry a lot of people say well, i don't know if i have the business for this that's got to be factored into your margin Right. When you're thinking about margin, we can't just go, yes, I, uh, this cost me 25 cents. I could do it for 20 cents. Right. Yeah. Th that that's as far as most small businesses go, because it's that's that easy surface level thing that I can put on a spreadsheet. But the reality is you won't be as efficient as you think you're going to be until you are regularly doing that business. You know that that business is going to keep showing up and. And that's when you can start to transition into, okay, I'm, 
I, I've built this enough that I'm going to bring that stuff in house because I've gotten so efficient at what I'm doing already. Now I've got more space, right? That's that same thing like I talked about with the space to grow. Now I've got space to say, yep, okay. I, I had been outsourcing my coffee mugs, but I'm ready, right? I, now I understand what what's right, what makes the challenges. I now I know what I need to do to be really good at this. So the the looking at the the margin thing should be the last thing that you do. It should be about the the foundational pieces first. Do I have the business? Is it consistent enough? Do I have the ability space? production capacity, right? Have I had Terry come in and, and give me uh, what, what I don't know what you used to always say, I'll give you X amount of uh, minutes back a week or, or whatever. So um, double your production time in 30 days or less. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so until you've had Terry come in and do that, right, then then send it to somebody else. So um, I think that's a, a really important thing to look at is sometimes margins, we think it, of that as just the dollars and cents that are on a spreadsheet. But there's a lot more to margins from from a lot other aspects that don't actually fit on a spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. All right. What is what does Dan have here? Dan's always got good stuff, <laughs> but I haven't read the whole thing yet. So um okay. got a, a, a massive thing. I'll go and read some of this. Yeah. Uh, lack you. of control is a big thing, but one that tops that is when your own qualities are past your contract printer's level, uh, like high-end sim process, like knowing their machines and equipment better than they do. Uh, knowing what mesh it should really go on, it could go on. It's a challenge to get others to do what you would do. You can't do that easily, so you sacrifice this trade-off. Less headache of running your own production, but more headache not having them do what you know they can do. And, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of this on, even though I'm not the print guy and Terry can jump on me when I make a mistake. <laughs> uh, but here's what I'll say about this, because I've had a similar experience. You guys know that as a digitizer, I was in control of a lot of our embroidery processes because I was literally adjusting everything from the beginning on through. But what I'll say is not every job required that. And if I'm honest, there are jobs we all know that don't require us to do the most high end work ever. And I know we're, for us, that's some of the stuff we would farm out, even though it doesn't seem like it, most people I know are trying to farm out more difficult stuff because they're learning. But at yeah. the same time, some of us who are, maybe we do have those high-end technologies or like Dotton Dan here says, he, he really is in command of the process. You might have a large kind of single color, two color duotone job that you could kick out and then spend your time on higher margin work that is of that higher quality. Now that mix doesn't always work out it's not always going to be perfect, but I know that's something we've actually done. Like, like I said about these stockings, it was more about, hey, this fits better with you. Are we capable of that? Over capable, more than capable of doing the really simple work, but some of it didn't make sense for our mix and giving up some of that work, let us do the work that we could actually charge more for because we did specialty mm -hmm. stuff Yeah, because we were that kind of quality, you know, but also I will say this, if you've ever been a contract printer and we were for uh, other larger companies, <laughs> they come in and they test you and they bring you test orders where they say, here's a process job. Here's exactly what it should look like. I want films back. I want to see what your steps are like. I have to look at every step of right. this process and make sure yeah. you can do it. So I'll say that, that part of it also, sometimes that testing on your, on your people is a thing. I mean, you can test people to that level and really build up, you know, a, a small grouping of people, like Terry says, the good printers of which there are few. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, well, and taking a page from uh, our upcoming book, how to micromanage your business <laughs> to success. Uh, this and also, that's a joke, people. Okay, just joke. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Yes, <laughs> but but it's kind of you know the 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 micromanagers of the world. It's they they treat also their employees like this as well. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, it, it, 
we do things a certain way ourselves and, mm-hmm. and not everybody does that. Sometimes you just have to let go a little bit, you know, and, and relax and, and, and let somebody else um, do the job. And uh, as long as they have a, uh, have a, a quality result at the end, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got to calm down a little bit. The micromanage to success says do this exactly one, two, three, four, five, six, seven steps do it exactly like I would do it. And, um, <laughs> and sometimes we need to let go a little bit. It's, it's hard for people to do. Yeah. And, yeah. and all you micromanagers out there, you don't know your micromanager. So look yourself in the mirror. Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, and also some phase of every one of our lives, I'll <laughs> raise my hand and go, my name is Eric and I'm a micromanager. Cause I uh, <laughs> most certainly have stopped going, I would, I would sequence that design that way. And then I stop and go, I look at the, the piece and I go, piece looks fine. Yeah. <laughs> passes the customer test. I'm not the audience. Customer is the audience. All right. Pieces. All right. <laughs> well, we, we don't want to make this a two-part show, so let's take no, no, a no, quick break going. here because you guys are really trying to get into the next question already, I feel like. And <laughs> um, <laughs> and Dot, Dot Tone Dan says, true fact, micromanagers don't know they are. Yep. Uh, for <laughs> sure. <is> true. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. All right. Um, so quick break. Uh, hear a little bit about uh, Radical Goal Getters here, and then we'll come back and wrap this up. Yeah. Are you feeling stuck in your journey? Have you made investments in programs or put time into your business and can't seem to get there fast enough? Don't go it alone. Take a look at Radical Goal Getters and unlock what you've been missing. Radical Goal Getters is a facilitated six-month mastermind program designed by Success Principles trainers who have led masterminds for Mr. Jack Canfield. These cohorts are your ticket to success in just six months. It's not just another program or training class. It will become your success community. This specific proven concept is the support, accountability, and expert guidance you need to break through barriers. Visit RadicalGoalGetters.com to learn more and apply for your life-changing opportunity. New mastermind groups are now forming. Imagine achieving your number one goal, being truly fulfilled, all while being surrounded by like-minded peers who cheer you on every step of the way. That's the Radical Goal Getters difference. All you have to do is apply at RadicalGoalGetters.com today. Only like the commercials that Lewis are in now. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get him. I'll get him involved in that one. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Check that out. I, I hope you guys also like the sound effects. I don't know. I tried, but um. I did the, I, the locking. I liked that one. That was a little, yeah. Was like, Man, yeah. yeah I get the go. concept. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Unlock it. So radicalgoalgetters.com. Check that out. All right, you guys. So yes, I, I know Terry was alluding to a two-parter. I think we can do this. I think we can do this because honestly, I think we got one more section to talk about here and then we can kind of close it out with maybe just giving you some bullet points. Uh, We'll we'll go as, you know, as long as we need to, but these are kind of, these are kind of the same thing anyway. Yeah, I I think so. I think so. So let's talk about this, this question that I've got here. Right. And, and if you guys will go back and and start from the beginning, we've got why, what, and now we're talking about how, right. So all all good questions do kind of flow like that. Just FYI. Um, (laughs) So how, do I find the right partner, right, right outsource vendor, right? How, how do we do that? So, um, Terry, I'm going to start start with you. G- give us just give us the rundown, and then we can kind of unpack them. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. First of all, talk to your industry friends. Uh, I, I need to outsource embroidery. Uh, who uh, who am I going to call yeah. first? I'm going to call Eric and say, Hey, who do you know? Because 
we we know who the good decorators are out there Eric's and phone is blowing and, uh, up right now so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i'm i'm literally asking you eric no let <laughs> <laughs> get back to you so i don't like put anybody on blast on live right now <laughs> don't go to this um, guy a, a, ask for references uh, who yeah. else are you doing uh, outsource work for um invest in a test and what what does that mean uh, when when we were checking out when when equipment zone when we were first getting involved in uh, in DTF printing we actually sent the same file to about mm -hmm. I don't know 10 12 companies to see what the result was because you know and and I think that Todd alluded to this it's it's seeking a level now but you got every thickness every type of uh, a finished product you could imagine so yeah. you know we invested money in that we had to pay for every one of those but and uh, it, we harry <laughs> i didn't pay anything didn't, uh, okay. <laughs> but anyway uh, th those yeah. are the yeah those are the uh, the the types of things that that i think we need to uh, to do to, to get started with but then of course uh -huh. you know we have we have questions to ask of those folks as well well, let's yeah. can I've been holding on to this, right? Because like I said, yeah, you guys have been it. trying to get here. I've got this test testing story that I think might oh, fit in it. nicely here. Right. So I'm going to jump in here. So um, prior to our success group, I worked at the company called Pick the Gift and a great print on demand company. Right. So they are a wholesaler. They're an outsourced partner potential. Right. So. There was a, a customer we were aware of that uh, I my job was to try to get new customers. And I was very aware of this customer. They were very big. They, they sold a lot. I knew that they might be open to a new outsourcing partner. Had lots of conversations with this lady. She was awesome. But I told her, I said, hey, you know, as as your business goes, right, ours goes the same way. Once we get into that late third quarter, early fourth quarter, all bets are off, right? And 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 so, all these things that we're talking about, all these ways that I can kind of help you right now, we can get this really set up. All bets are going to be off. And and she was like, okay. And things progressed. Things progressed. She kept working with her existing partner. They kept falling down for her. Last minute, she comes to me and she says, okay, I, I'm ready. And I said, I told you right now because and and here's what I, I i turned her down and she was like flabbergasted like that i would turn her down you know because she kind of knew what her place was in this and i knew that i was turning down a, a pretty sizable chunk of business but i told her i said if i take this on right now i'm gonna also fall down and i'm gonna be just like your old vendor right and so i can't i can't do that to you and i don't want to do that to my company and and you know the current customers that are already invested in us and and so it was, it was about that timing. I'm like, I get it, right? You've got to make your decisions. But as of right now, I said, after the fourth quarter is over, let's get this process started. And then by, for next year, you'll be fine. But, but again, it, it's, it's about investing in that test. And not only like Terry was talking about investing and in just going out and buying that stuff, but investing enough in the front end of that relationship, right? Because some of outsourcing is, okay, how do we get our systems to talk together? How do we get sure. it? So- because in that situation, for us, it was all about making sure that nobody knew who the heck we were. It, people just thought they were buying from our customers and stuff would show up and they would you know, go back to that customer's website and say, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so we knew that there was some education, some this is the way our system works. How do we get everything to talk together? So you, as the person looking for that, it was amazing to me how 
deep into the fourth quarter, right? When, when, when the stuff was really getting crazy, how many new customers showed up at that point? And again, it was the same story every time. Sorry, I'll call you back in January. Right. Yeah. And like, ah, but I need help. When the Christmas stockings were hitting the fan, is that what you're referring <laughs> <Exactly>. to? <laughs> Christmas stockings, blankets, ornaments, whatever it was, right. It was all hitting the fan and not all that was good all the time. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's my quick story on investing in the test, but what about the rest of it, Eric, or, or anything on that? Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, I think we've kind of covered it, you know, asking for references, really, whether it's just checking out the portfolio or tests. And I know we have a couple of comments here uh, that I think are interesting here, but, but like yeah. investing in the yeah. test, it's also part of just doing preparation. I think there's, there's nothing we can say that it doesn't come down to knowing, like, like Terry said, know your capacity. You have to know that ahead of time and you have to be at least somewhat aware of forecasting. You have to ha understand a little bit about it. If nothing else, if this is your first year and you're just starting out, you know when rushes are for other retail markets and that's enough for you to get an idea like, boy, I better think ahead of these big events that are likely to be, mm -hmm. you know, banner events for my type of business. And we need to think ahead. And part of that, like I said, you got to ask for references. You have to look at their work and invest for tests. We have these comments here. They're yeah, let, wild. I'm going to push some yeah, buttons, Eric. Well, yeah, while you're here, I'm yeah, going to push a couple of buttons because yeah. I... I thought, you know, and to those that think that sending out a test is out of pocket, it's a deductible business expense. That's a, that's yeah, right. Yeah, you can yeah. deduct that. So yeah. that's what other, and we, we've got a bunch of other comments in there. So go also, ahead. Also, uh, Kim, Kim certainly also says, uh, you know, most vendors will give you a free sample to try. I will say two things about this. Yes, they, they do. And lots of people who, especially you're doing things like you're getting transfers in something like that, where you're not outsourcing the entire process. Um, you can definitely get in transfers, transfer companies. Do be aware that companies who are giving you a free sample that they design are giving you the very best version of that sample that they can. I know we've all done it. We give you the very best version we can produce. So remember that the only real test that's going to tell you how the job's going to work is probably purchasing your own test. Order. Yeah. And that is the I, true test. Yeah, And I want to piggyback off of that too, because yeah. don't think that those vendors that aren't willing to just send you something for free are ones that you should just go, oh, oh well, they're not, because half the time, yeah. right? Because at the end of this, um, Ramona's comment that she made quite a bit earlier, she said, sorry, I'm in the background listening. And yeah. I can pop that up there. Sure. Uh, and this might have been said, but I think the word partner is very important. Whoever you outsource to needs to be your partner in this job. And, and so sometimes the vendors are looking at that going, okay, if this person's not willing to invest in this process up front, we're just going to be, because you know, a, a outsourcing partners, their margins are super thin. Right? Right. Like we would make dollars when we knew the people selling this end product on Etsy were making tens, if not twenties of dollars yes. when we were making dollars and maybe at best. And so we were like, okay, we want people that are invested in this partnership. And yeah. so like my way of going about it was always like, hey, here you go. I will happily do any tests that you need. Um, you pay for the tests up front. And then when you're ready to actually make this thing, you know, when you're ready to solidify our marriage, consummate the marriage, so to speak, yes, right? Yeah, sure. um, I will give you that back, right? You know, so yeah. you've made an investment in this relationship. I'm making an investment in the future of our relationship and, and going from there. So that, that was my take there. No, and actually, it's a fantastic way to do it. Even when somebody's working with you and wants to do that test, the uh, I have a great idea for a shirt guy. I need one in 24 colors. That's a great way to handle that. Be like, I'll give you a discount on your larger order that you swear is coming if you go ahead and pay for this test. Yeah. You, you uh, know, I'll, in my screen printing classes, I, I say, 
Someone's going to walk into your shop, each yep. one of you, every one of you, they're going to walk Absolutely. in and say, I have the greatest t-shirt idea of all time. That <laughs> translates to, I don't have any money, but <laughs> I want you to produce all these samples for me. I so you, you and me together can mm -hmm. make a million dollars. Yeah, they all do. I, that's, I, and don't get me wrong. Once in a while, you'll hit it. We've had a couple where we were like, oh yeah, this guy. And then they go on to sell a tremendous amount of shirts that you have to like... <laughs> Stop and you apologize and be cool. About <laughs> it sucks it. you but, into doing it again for somebody else. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. At the same time, money. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a risk. It's a risk. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. It's worth knowing that. Yeah. Well, well, and, and, and let's uh, let's transition then, uh, yeah, sure. and and maybe we are gonna. Well, we're well. You know, can we hit a couple more of these comments real quick? I oh, know sure. we're gonna yeah, 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 we're, sure. we're gonna be close, but I, I do want to. Um, I had a couple more that I had highlighted there. So Ramona had said uh, yeah. Terry has the big book of travels. I'll put it up there. Um, a, a calendar. We need to keep a calendar of of who is going to need what based on the historical orders, right? This is that yeah. that planning ahead and investing in the future by spending some time to look ahead. I think. Um, also. So, and, and, and you I know, reach out to those customers ahead of time. Yeah, and and yeah. have those conversations. Maybe you could maybe you can pull that order a little earlier than than uh, you would normally do it. Yeah, and just by just by having that conversation. For sure, Eric. Go ahead. Oh no, it's absolutely just a. It's another good argument for business software, whether that is just direct CRM consumer, you know, like customer management software, or full job software. It makes that a lot easier. It makes yeah. the forecasting easier. So, if something to think about. Yeah. And then Barb said, over the years, I've learned my limitations when producing huge print orders. I don't screen print, so I order screen print transfers. It took time to find good outsourcing companies to meet my quality standards. Right. And and that, that again, that's part of the investment that you're making is that investment in the time to find the right uh, outsourcing partners. So and then just one last one here to kind of close this out. Mm -hmm. Chuck said, my biggest fear is a fear of failure, knowing that my future depends on me. And I think that yeah. ties back to what we were talking about, that responsibility versus ownership. Yeah. But but I think if you can, you know, be confident enough that I'm willing to take ownership of this. Yes, sometimes that might hurt a little bit. Um, but I know at the end of the day, if I continue to take responsibility for my own business, for my own success, that I'm going to, ha you know, you're going to find the right partners. Like Barb had said, it might just take a little bit of time. So um, I, I would say take that fear of failure and turn that into a fear of not taking enough action to become a success. All right, mm. So that that's my my uh, little uh, fundamental <laughs> soapbox that I have to do every show. I think it's a requirement now, part of my contract. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Terry. Um, so. I think you've come up with a great list and, and maybe Eric has added to this. I don't know what I added to it. Maybe I did add something. I can't remember. But, uh, <laughs> that was a whole week ago, but go ahead. I, I, I started with questions. I think you guys uh, added a lot of uh, content to the bullet points. So, but, but you know, what conversations do we need to have with a new, new vendor? And, yeah. and uh, the first one I had was, uh, are, are you set up to be a contract decorator? Not, not everybody is, you know, we're going to reach out to people and, and say, I've got this extra work to do. And they might not understand the concept of, of contract decorating. And yeah. uh, I, I love, by the way, contract decorating. I think it's a tremendous business and a great opportunity. But, uh, uh, you know, question number one, uh, do you want me, you guys want me to go down there? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, do you offer this service seasonally only? When I was mm. in the returning sorority market, we did contract work from uh, about the end of May till the middle of August because their fraternities and sororities weren't around. So we did contract work, but I said, 
on August 15th, I can't do another piece for you. But if mm -hmm. you need work done for this, this two and a half months, uh, then we're, we're happy to take that business on. Um, do your, and this is important, do your full price orders take priority mm. over your contract work? Mm. And because uh, all of a sudden that contract work gets pushed back a week because, well, hey, I can make more money on this order here. So it's a conversation you need to have. And my, my last one is, what is your spoilage policy? This is important. Yeah. Uh, there's always spoilage. We, we all have those boxes of misprinted shirts. Um, you need to know what the policy is. And, and I'll tell you what it is for screen printing. It can be up to 3%. So every 100 shirts you send there to be contract printed, they can spoil three of those without you, you being compensated back for them. So um, what do you guys take on those yeah. conversational We're, questions? Last on that, that spoilage thing, and yeah. just for people that aren't familiar with that kind of idea, because just because you're sending the the shirts to them that contractors will also provide the goods and so the spoilage policy that's that's on them right so if you're providing the goods then yes right. exactly when you figure mm -hmm. that out so I, I just wanted to clarify that because i think some people would go well why would i care right but that's sure. when you're many shirts of theirs they mess up yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> well and so, also the last thing to remember about spoilage policy if you're doing team sales and you literally are trying to get a size with something decorated for someone that's a very different thing. If there must be this many larges for a team to be covered, you very well need to understand what they're going to do if one of them's missing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's a good, good point. It's about your All right, business I, segment. I will throw one other question in here real quick, sure. and then uh, we can probably close this out unless you guys yeah. have some other things. Um, so th this is a little bit wild, maybe a little bit. Uh, and if you're a wholesaler out there, don't throw things at me. But I would go this far and like, Come up with some super crazy scenario, some super crazy uh, request, and then ask it. And if they don't say no to you, that <laughs> actually would put a red flag up for me. Because the reality is, if they're not saying no to you, they're also not going to be saying no to other people. And at somewhere down the road, this is going to bite them and you're going to be left out to dry that there was a massive company um that I, they were doing 80 million dollars a year uh some of you mm -hmm. guys might be familiar with them colorado timberline mm -hmm. and they would make these wild agreements with some of these big companies where like they would basically get fined if things were late or messed up mm -hmm. and things like that and the fines that they had accumulated were so big that even though they were doing 80 million dollars a year they had to go out of business yeah. And so when all these other companies that were working with Colorado Timberline were out there looking for new partners after this happened, I remember t having conversations with some of them. And, and these are like, man, I could really change the fate of our, our business by bringing this customer on. But they're going, you've got to do this. You got to do this. And we said, no, yep. uh, we're not going to yeah. risk our future business based on your crazy demands that just are, are unreasonable. So anyhow. Um, that, that was one other thing that to kind of throw out there for people to think about, like what, what is the future? What is the long-term uh, yeah. partnership so, here? So it's not like improv always say yes. Probably not. It should always be to question whatever you're asked, right? Never <laughs> answer the question, ask another question. <laughs> no, this is true, honestly. And I will try not to make comments about the time I spent decorating for um, like, doing sale into malls and department stores compliance is hell um, doing yeah. that kind of thing where you get chargebacks and things like that doing that as a decorator is hell yeah. but at the same time 
I'm going to say, yeah, if someone is desperate and will do absolutely anything you ask, yeah, that prepare for the worst. Yeah, might be a red uh, flag just rough. thinking about, you know, don't if they put don't have policies. in that basket. Yeah. If yeah. you're like, oh, well, when you when do you want to get paid? And like, whenever. Run. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> run. One day you'll never go to I don't shop. Know. <laughs> yeah. You're going to find bolted doors and they don't have your order yeah. inside. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've covered it, guys. Or anything we missed there? I think we did it. All right, enough. good, good, There's good. Always more, but hey, we, we yep, got the show. Exactly, exactly. But we, <laughs> I, I knew we could do it. I'm, I'm proud of you guys. I'm going to give you guys a round of applause. We actually made it in <laughs> one show. And Close to thanks, oh, Jim, for uh, suggesting yeah. this. Yep. It's a good, great, great, great idea. Round of applause too. Yep, thank yes, you, Kim. Yes. All right, Terry. What? Speaking of the big back book of travels earlier, yes. what's uh, what's in it? <laughs> uh, my complete screen printing business course. I will be at Workhorse Products here in Phoenix, September 23rd through 24th. Class is almost full if you're looking to sign up. We are giving away two free passes at the Workhorse booth in Fort Worth. So if you're nice. interested in getting a free or two free passes, go by and put your name on a slip of paper and drop it in the, in the uh, box. Uh, I'll be back in Chicago with Atlas Screen Supply November 4th and 5th. At Impressions Expo Fort Worth, I'm presenting everything you've heard about DTG and DTF printing on the internet is wrong. And I'm also moderating a panel discussion with Mel Lay, Stan Banks, and Zach Acorn. September 20th, Jay Bussell and I are going to be hosting an Equipment Zone webinar called DTG Days. It's been nearly 20 years, so we're bringing the band back together. We're bringing in uh, Scott Fresner. Uh, uh, Aaron, you didn't respond yet, but I think Aaron I Montgomery. <laughs> I did respond. Um, did you? Okay. Yeah. Did you say yes? You're going to be on the I show. I did say yes. I did say yes. Okay. So I was like, wait, is he not? Anyway, we're kicked off. <laughs> we're going we're to have some folks from Epson. We're going to have some customers. We're going to have folks talking about uh, the direct to garment industry from uh, almost 20 years ago till now. You could sign up for that free on at equipmentzone.com. Again, that's September 20th. And the rest of my, uh, all my events are on terrycombs.com. And Aaron, how about you? So um, you mentioned impressions a little bit earlier and uh, I, I'm excited to be out there at impressions. I was just talking to my uh, cohorts here in, in this uh, presentation we're giving. It's called the ABC's Design, Print, and Market. And it's going to be- Is it easy? It's one, two, three. Sorry. It, <laughs> All right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, got the Magic Touch, Corel Trainer, Creo, myself, and it's going to be a full day workshop on September 13th, which is the day before the show. And uh, we're, we're, we've already got a, a nice uh, group of people that are already going to be there, but there are still some spots available. So head over to osg.link forward slash ABCS, ABCs, and uh, you can get registered to be part of that uh, amazing event that's going to be happening the day before. Um, and then another uh, event that I'm really excited about is coming up on September 18th through the 22nd. Uh, it will be a, a virtual event, the, the Five Keys of Marketing Workshop. And uh, it's been something that our success group's been doing for a while. And uh, the idea is we're going to help you build a 12-week roadmap and marketing plan that is actually catered to your business, not just throw some marketing magic bullet at you that uh, only works for my business kind of thing, right? So we're going to give you all the support that you need to, from a full workbook to plenty of uh, great opportunities to learn about your business a little bit more. So um, our success group members, this is part of their membership. But if you want to join in and uh, check that out too, you can go over to oursuccessgroup.com forward slash five, the number five, five keys marketing. And uh, you can sign up for it. It's uh, $79 for, for you to sign up there. Um, 
Last thing for me is the Fundamentals of Business Success book is out there. Uh, it's getting some rave reviews, and uh, I could not be more grateful and excited to, to hear those reviews from folks and, and just thank people for, for their support of something that I uh, put a lot of uh, heart and soul into. And so if you want to check it out, too, you can go over to oursuccessgroup.com forward slash FBS book, Fundamentals of Business Success FBS book. So that's what I've got happening, guys. Uh, how about you, Eric? Well, today I have my usual episode of The Take-Up coming up. So today, 167, and that's going to be uh, banners, rockers, and borders, baselines, envelopes in action. And we had kind of a series about ma manipulating uh, machine-embroidered lettering. And people were saying, well, what's the real on-the-ground reason you'd be using this stuff? Is it just for you doing your weird psychedelic lettering layouts? Or is there something realistic that I might do otherwise? Mm -hmm. And I said, absolutely. Went through my large catalog of embroidery designs I've done over the years. Over 16,000 that I have at, at count. Uh, and when I looked through, it was amazing how many of them had banners or borders with text inside of them where I had to torture that text to make it fit in the nice way. So we're going to talk about the real use cases for uh, text warping and alignment, how to use those, as well as looking at some recent tools where, that I really wish I would have had years ago that would have saved me a lot of trouble. So if you go over to uh, ericcampbell.com and click the take up tab at the top for links or check out the link that's on the screen right now, bit.ly slash take up 167. You can go and see that today at 2.30 Mountain Daylight Time. Thank you, Terry. And uh, <laughs> join with your live insights and questions. Also, as you guys know, we are all headed out for Impressions Expo Fort Worth in less than two weeks. I will be out there uh, teaching presenting embroidery's value proposition bright and early, I believe, first session on that first day. Uh, so Aaron will be teaching you the day before doing ABCs. I will be teaching you the morning after, <laughs> right as the show starts, <laughs> talking about how to uh, present embroidery for its best uh, face. And what I always say is this, instead of being on the back foot and apologizing for what embroidery has as shortcomings, I want to teach you how to sell embroidery with its best foot forward on its strengths. So come see me at Impressions Expo Fort Worth and get on on that. Awesome. 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 All right. So we've got some secret sauce here, Terry. I know you've been working hard in the kitchen back there cooking us something delicious. So uh, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Let's have some secret sauce. Right. My secret sauce is screen printing soft hand graphics. Uh, there's a misconception in screen printing that uh, you need to use water-based inks to get that soft hand effect, that, that soft feel of the image on the shirt. The reality is the vast majority of screen printers prefer Plastisol ink. So why is that? Because Plastisol is very forgiving. It won't ever dry in the screen and it's incredibly durable uh, on, the, on the garment. It lasts forever, so if it's cured properly. So how do I achieve water-based soft hand with Plastisol, that water-based type feel? There's uh, two options to use separately, or better, to use together. Thinning your ink and or printing through a higher mesh screen. So um, let's talk about thinning your ink first. The quick and easy to begin thinning your ink is simply by stirring it. Plastisol is thixotropic, uh, which means as you stir, the ink viscosity, the ink thickness lowers. So new screen printers might notice the ink is easier to pull or the easier to push the further into the job you get. That motion of the squeegee is actually thinning the ink as you print. Uh, beyond stirring the ink, I like to use curable reducer to thin my ink. Uh, while curable reducer makes your ink easier to pull or push with your squeegee, 
it also softens the ink. That means it's easier to print through a higher mesh. So there's the higher mesh option, and, and that's going to lay down a, a thinner layer of ink. Here's my caution. If your supplier says, yeah, we've got that, but ours is called viscosity reducer, beware, it is not the same thing. Viscosity reducer is plasticizer, which is the liquid part of your plastisol ink. So if you mix in too much, more than three to 5%, it's going to cause washability issues and you won't know it until the customer washes the garment for the first time. So to cure plastisol, the PVC resin, the plastic, uh, in the ink absorbs the plasticizer. But if there's too much plasticizer, the ink won't cure properly. And again, you won't know until that first wash. On the other hand, curable reducer can be mixed into the plastisol at any ratio. So you can't do it wrong. You cannot mess this up. So say no to viscosity reducer and a big yes to curable reducer. Uh, so if you want uh, that, that screen print soft hand uh, image with Plastisol ink, stir it up, mix in curable reducer, and print through a higher mesh count screen. That's my secret sauce for today. All right. Good stuff, nice, man. man. Delicious. I just, I just love the graphics. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of fun, isn't it? Uh, all right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, we have come to the close of another show today. We want to thank all the regulators who added their comments. Again, another big thanks to Kim Johnson for the idea. Anybody else has ideas for future shows, please let us know. And if we don't know the information, we will go find a uh, guest. And uh, we're just excited to talk about the things that are going to be important to your business. So thank you guys uh, very much. Also, uh, happy Labor Day to all of our listeners in the U.S. So, exactly. Yeah. Also, thanks, Eric, uh, for joining into the conversation and for also turning the knobs, pushing the buttons, and explaining all those dad jokes to our live viewers with the use <laughs> of parentheses. And I was ready, and I, did, I didn't click it in time. I had a I had an explanation for this one. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Didn't do it in time, guys. I was worried about being on screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, again, yes, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it and appreciate all your great insights here today. Uh, next week, Terry and I get to talk to a good friend of ours, Charlie Tablieb. Um, and, and I've said his last name wrong for years and I finally started getting it right. So I'm excited about that, but um, <laughs> he's going to be joining us to talk about his new book and, uh, Probably, Terry, we know this to be true. It's probably some trademark infringement stories from yeah. the 1970s, right? Where I think we've passed the statute of limitations, so he's okay to, to talk about this. But uh, exactly I, right. He always loves talking about He freely tells those stories. So <laughs> until then, I'm Terry Combs. He's Eric Campbell. He's Aaron Montgomery. And that was the two regular guys. Here we go. We're out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tworegularguys, or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash tworegularguys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website, tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.